Welcome to The Breakdown, where we dig deeper into Sunday sermon, talk about life, and encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Hey, welcome to another episode of The Breakdown. This is our this is our last one before the new year, man. I'm put a bow on this bad boy. I know. The year, man. So we've, I think this is episode 32 or 33. Wow. So we've done pretty well. Yeah. Um, I think Most that weeks. takes a pause for, you know, we've, yeah. we've lasted. I feel like sometimes you start something and then podcast is going forever. Baby. I know. Uh, so we're excited about that. Um, uh, we are in a series called Among Us. And this week we talked about the incarnation of Jesus, and uh, we're going to get into that. But before we do, we like to have some fun at the beginning of our podcast. Fun? We don't like fun around here. What are you talking about? No, we're all about business. Straight uh, business. <laughs> so I thought it would be cool. We both like sports. Mm-hmm. I'm a big, big draft junkie in the NBA. Yep. Uh, and I'm sure you are with your Miami Dolphins. You are correct, sir. Like that style. So we're going to draft some people today. Okay. And because we love Jesus, we're going to draft people from the Bible. Cool, man. Specifically the Old Testament. And there's a couple of rules to this. All right. We have to draft people. Yeah. We cannot draft God. Because that's, uh, I mean, that's like, number one overall pick for all time. Yeah, he's the goat. I mean, <laughs> come on, you, you can't can't do that. They have to be people, and we're not going to be able to draft uh, the same person. I'll draft Jesus and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> the, the pre-incarnate Jesus. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, I'll let you go. Have our first pick, and we'll do we'll do a snake draft. So you get first pick, then I get. First and second pick, then you'll get your second pick. All right. That way, you can't just have a, yeah. a stack draft, okay? All right. Well, I mean, if I if I get first pick, I'm gonna probably go with. And it's actually a little bit tight on this particular one, <laughs> but I think I'm gonna go with Moses. Okay. Right. I'm gonna take. To me, it's kind of obvious. There's a little bit between him and Abraham, but That's I'm gonna solid. go with Moses. Yeah. You know, he uh, we part start parting seas. You're right up there at the top. You're right? up there, man. Right by the power of God, not his own might. However, pretty cool. So yeah, man, Moses. And I also like Moses because you know he was also kind of a mess and doubted himself. And, yeah. Uh, so, but God used him obviously in a mighty way. So Moses, number one overall pick. I am glad you picked that number okay. one because I. And I created this question. I wasn't even thinking Moses. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned him in your sermon, so that's we'll tie it in. Yeah, but well, you know. my number one pick would be Abraham. Yeah. You know, the father of many nations. That's it. It's it's where I mean, it's not the beginning, but it's the beginning of the covenant with a people group. Mm-hmm. And so for me, he's mentioned in the New Testament. And so I think Abraham would be my number one pick. Okay. Number two pick. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Not to say there's a drop off here, but I think <laughs> Moses and Abraham were your first yeah, two. Yeah, I mean it's obvious. I'd I'd have to go. I'd have to go David. Okay, David, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know That's lineage of Jesus. One. He's the king. Yeah, man after God's own heart. Very relatable. Wrote most of the Psalms. Has a cool story. He's a he's a a bad dude in a good way. Like yep. he's a warrior. Mm-hmm. And so I'd go. I go Abraham, David. Okay. My top two. Yeah, man, king over Israel is kind of a big deal, and you know, just uh, killed a killed a giant, all that I kind mean, of stuff. Yeah, you're a young guy, kill a giant. Yeah, that's that's up there. 
All right, so mine is kind of obscure, but I'm going with Benaya, son of Jehoiada. <laughs> Hold up here. Okay, you got to explain this one. All right, All right. so Benaya, son of Jehoiada, is one of David's mighty men. Yeah, okay. he's the dude that killed a lion in a pit on a yeah. snowy day. Uh -huh. He is. Uh, he's he accomplished many things. Yeah, but that was one of the things he did, and I just love his story as one of David's mighty men. And he ends up leading David's armies later on in his life. But when he was a young man, he fought a lion in a pit on a snowy day and so won. He's, he's kind of like a, a, an image or a shadow of David. Because David had yeah. some pretty cool moments in his, his yeah. young life. Yeah. Okay. I like not, not on David's level, but, you no, know. But, but I like him for his, uh, I like him for the stories that tie into him. And, you know. The Mighty Men stories are awesome. Mm -hmm. I, I went through that that era of david's life with some young young men um in our, my youth group whenever i was leading youth and they loved it yeah it's like a very manly part of the old testament um so uh, do your third pick because that okay, way I, yeah i'm up next i don't steal. so again slightly obscure but not wildly <laughs> obscure i'm gonna go with boaz okay uh because yeah he is because, you know, I love the story of Ruth. It's one of my favorite Bible stories. And I love the whole idea of kinsman redeemer. I love the fact that he is a, a strong man, but also a man that uh, is caring mm -hmm. and loving. Um, you know, there's he has that kind of a spirit about him with Ruth. Yeah. Uh, he's nurturing. And I think all those things are a part, you know, people talk about biblical manhood and mm -hmm. there's a whole culture today that's, you know, very bro oriented uh, manhood culture. And yeah. it's all well and good, I guess. But I, I tend to think of a real a real man and a real Christian man as a more well-rounded man than just, you know, uh, the kind of just bro. Yeah, I like it. No, so, yes. Yeah, those those uh, are my that's my top three, man. Yeah. My last one. I mean, I'm just going to make a powerhouse team, Isaiah. Yeah. All right. It's, uh, he, was, he was up there for me. Yeah, he's a prophet. He, you know, the beginning of Isaiah, he sees he's in God's throne room. I mean, you mentioned it in your sermon. Yeah. That, that to me, that, that experience was a catalyst for him. We see uh, Jesus quoting from Isaiah a lot. Mm -hmm. um in the sermon on the mount he's he's pulling some things and um, just in his ministry overall there's some really cool prophecies about jesus that that come true that it's like whoa like you got to you got to proclaim that even if you didn't fully understand it you proclaiming that is a pretty cool point in history um, you look back at all the things that jesus had to do i i think those moments are really cool for me and so that would be my 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 top three old T old testament people that's a powerhouse top yeah. three man yeah. i went with the i went obscure yeah but i do have moses so you, you know. do have moses and that's up there and it's kind of like having jordan yeah i mean it's okay if i won it's all right <laughs> we're not gonna we'll leave that up to the yeah, listeners that's right uh, <laughs> you guys let us know you can let us know in the comments on your uh yeah your top three your top three yeah that'd be pretty cool um and so the sermon for this week, uh, we talked about some pretty important people in the Old Testament, but the most important um, person in the, in the New Testament and Old Testament, we've, we're talking about Jesus here mm -hmm. coming into the flesh. So kind of give us a, a synopsis of what this message was about. 
Right. So, you know, John talks about the incarnation. And so we, we wanted to dig into that and really talk about Jesus being willing to be with us and be present with us, um, to leave the worship of heaven and of the angels and step into flesh. Mm -hmm. And specifically that there is no, and I mentioned this in the message, there is no modern religion where you see this right not not any well-known religion anyway of god stepping in and becoming human mm -hmm. stepping into the problem himself and solving it by himself like through himself is what i mean mm -hmm. he also saved it you know solved it by himself yeah. but he solved it using himself and that's a pretty amazing thing when you think about it right that this is not God saving the world or a God, lowercase g, saving the world in some quote-unquote abstract way. This is God saying, the only solution to your problem is me, and I love you enough to be willing to be the solution for you. The incarnation is kind of a big deal. <laughs> it is, for sure. Um, and what I want to do uh, during this uh, episode is we're going to read John 1, 14 through 18. Yes. And we'll pause at various points because I think that there's some rich richness in these verses. And so starting in verse 14 of chapter 1 of John, it says, The word became flesh mm -hmm. yeah. and made his dwelling among us. So God put on, became what he created, humans. Mm -hmm. And so God came down in the form of man, but not how we may have written that story. And you talk about this in your sermon of Jesus could have come and been born into royalty. He could have, have come, <laughs> you made it a joke, but been born as a, a teenager. He could have come as a teenager, yeah. could have just appeared and, right. you know, during puberty or after puberty or as a young man or as this this king but instead he came as a baby yeah. who's defenseless right who has to lean on somebody else for all his needs that blows my mind mm -hmm. that is something i think to take pause at to say maybe if i was writing this story i would have written it a little differently sure but god and all his glory knew what we needed. And in some of the prophecies, it talks about the birth of Jesus. Right. So he has to come as a baby. Well, we talked too about that that word, you know, skinu, right? Where the translation of that word is to from the Hebrew is that that's the Greek, that's the word tabernacle. But if you translate it into the Greek, it's, you know, basically made his home in, right? Yeah. He set up his tent. He uh, pitched his tent. And you have to be careful when you pronounce that yeah. <laughs> because there's some funny clips out <laughs> there, there on the <laughs> Internet where you can find that not going so well. So I made sure to enunciate yeah, when I said that <laughs> phrase. But uh, he did, you know, that beautiful idea of him tabernacling with us and bringing and being the very presence of God, the better, the complete, the finished temple. Yeah. You know, you think about you think about the um, the tabernacle in its originations, right, as a giant tent, 
You think about it being built by Solomon. Yeah. You think about that its destruction. You think about then its completion yet again when the temple is built and then destroyed again in 72 AD. I think yeah. uh, when Rome destroys, you know, Jew the Jewish Jerusalem. All of those times that imperfect temple, that dwelling place of God falls. Well, here is Jesus becoming mm -hmm. the complete, the better temple yeah. that cannot be destroyed. Yeah. Right. There's so many beautiful things. And of course, John, the revelator, who's writing this gospel. And, and when we keep that in mind, that this is that same John, the John of Revelation. Right. When we think about that. John's language is always very ethereal. It's always very heavenly. And we see that come through. He's always, when he's, you know, whereas Mark is, Mark is a little more down on the ground. Mm -hmm. um, Matthew is a little more down on the ground, but maybe a little more detail-oriented. Yeah. John is very much in the heavens, For right? Sure. It's just his thing, mm -hmm. right? That's, that's, the, that's the beautiful, unique voice of the Gospels, where you get the voice of the human. You get their voice, too, as God speaks through them. And so they, as they're relating their stories, John is relating this through a bit of a heavenly context. He's relating it through a bit of a uh, eternal context. And, you know, relative to the sanctuary uh, and to the tabernacle itself, this is what Jesus was, the better tabernacle. Yeah. And and even talking about the tabernacle, the temple that <clears throat> that comes to mind is when when what happens on the cross is done, we see the veil being torn to the Holy of Holies. We see that like it is finished. Yes. It is complete. Our, our sins have been paid for. Like it's through Jesus that we now have this, this bridge to God. We no longer need the priest to go in and mm -hmm. sacrifice on the day of atonement. Like we ourselves can, can be in the presence of God through Jesus Christ. And I think that that, that in and of itself is is good news for us. Yeah, the temple itself is finished, mm -hmm. right? It, it's finished as a tool for meeting with God. Yeah. You know, it's no longer needed because we have the better tabernacle. The next part says, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, I really liked your... Um, your point when you're you're talking about Moses and and how he experienced God in the cleft of the rock and he sees mm -hmm. the backside of God's glory and God says, you know you can't you can't handle seeing the fullness of who I am. Mm -hmm. Yet here, John says we have seen His glory, yes. the glory of Christ. Mm -hmm. He's He's been here and we've seen God. He's come full of grace and truth. Like he is God. He is the deity of, of him. Like there's no question about that. Right. And I think that's what even the disciples and the Pharisees and Sadducees struggled with. Like, who is this man that he says these things? And Jesus eventually comes out and says, like, this is who I am. This is what I've come for. Mm -hmm. Like, I couldn't imagine sitting in the presence of Jesus and getting to experience the, the fullness of God. Yeah, it's, it's a massive part of the story, and it's a massive thing that John is trying to convey to us. But, you know, Moses' story, of course, of, of being a, the friend of God, and as I, I related back from whatever it is, Exodus 32, I think, where it yeah. talks about, you know, Moses talking with God as a friend talks with a friend. God would visit him in the tabernacle 
and the cloud would come and rest over the tabernacle. And God was like talking, just chatting with Moses, like a friend talks with a friend. I mean, that that's not me being flip. That's the way that the Bible relates that yeah. their interaction, their friend. He, he's the friend of God, right? I mean, we see that with Adam and Eve, too, that, yes. uh, that God walked with Adam and yes. Eve in the garden. And so God is a relational God. And, and isn't it cool? I just thought about this, but isn't it really interesting that in that way, the temple alone as a holy space is the place where God could have that level of interaction with mankind. Yeah. And it and a specific man, a man again after his heart, who's pursuing him, so on and so forth, who's attempting to live in holiness um, and in a holy space, because it's a space that's dedicated to him, it's set apart. There's all these expectations for the things that will be set up in that yeah. space so that it is kept holy and reverent. Because if God is going to be there with you and meet with you there, sin cannot be pervasive, Absolutely. right? That's really, it's kind of crazy to think about because in a lot of ways, it's a its a momentary restoration of the garden, but for one man sort of, right? Yeah. And, and then relative to the people as restoration is made for them on an ongoing basis, it's crazy to think about that, isn't it? Yeah. And then how Jesus brings that to everyone yeah. in a very grand sense, you know? Yeah. And we get glimpses of, of what it's going to be for eternity. You know, uh, I believe that the Garden of Eden is a really good, um, I guess the word I'd use is prototype of what, what is to come. Like we will be in the presence of God. We'll get to walk with him and talk with him and everything will will be made new. Mm-hmm. And so you get to, like you say, you get to see that in the glimpses of people like Abraham, Moses, David. And then when Jesus comes, it's it's really interesting because of how relational he is. Mm-hmm. Like he wants to spend time with people. There are those moments where he takes his time of solitude and rest and silence. But for the majority of it, he's around people. Right. And he welcomes them. He welcomes the children and he wants them to know who God is. And so, yeah, I think that is a really cool point because John got to experience that. And he, he says that. I think when we were talking last week about first john he 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 says i've been there i've touched i've seen mm-hmm. like i've heard mm-hmm. what jesus had to say and i th- i believe that this this changed john he sees things differently um so we talked about the 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 act of tabernacling i think that that was a, a key point like jesus set up his tent it took 33 years he was here on a mission he was intentional with what he did and over that time he was the presence of god he he was the tabernacle of god um we talked a little bit about about isaiah and and how he has this vision of heaven the seraphim and even they declare the holiness of god i wonder and we kind of see this like at the the transfiguration, I think, of like that aha moment of the disciples that were with Jesus there. And Jesus is like, hey, don't tell anybody what happened here. Right. Until after everything has like come to fruition. Sure. I don't think Jesus was hiding anything like his glory or anything like that. But I wonder if Jesus was like, I don't think people could handle it right now. Mm-hmm. Like, 
there are things that need to happen before that. And then they'll see the bigger picture and then they will enjoy the bigger picture. I think about the disciples at the, when they're, they're sitting in the upper room, I'm like, what do we do? <laughs> like, right. Trying to figure all this out and put the pieces together. And then Jesus conquers death. You know, the temple had been destroyed so many times. And, mm -hmm. and so it's this image of Jesus being his body being destroyed. And then he raises up. Mm -hmm. He does something that the physical temple couldn't do. Right. And that has has put us into this, this new age and, and into eternity of Jesus being the ultimate tabernacle for us to be in the presence of God. Sure. Yeah, I mean, all of that part in the sermon, I, I really wanted to bring home that idea of Moses's connection having to be veiled because remember he's only catching a glimpse of the backside glory of God, sure. right? He hides him in the cleft of a rock and passes by him. He says, I'm going to have all my goodness yeah. pass by you. Right. And then the, the text there from Isaiah where the seraphim are worshiping God, but even they have to have their eyes covered. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. And even Isaiah has to be purified. Yeah. The hot coals touch his lips. Yes. Hmm. It's, it's really, you know, it's powerful. I was trying to remember if I had just a couple of weeks ago talked about that story about Moses being hidden in the rock. Do you remember me talking about that? Possibly. I have a deja vu I, moment I think, every I, Sunday. I think I did that in my Wednesday night class. Maybe. And so then I was up there on Sunday morning like, wait a minute, did I just talk about this two <laughs> weeks ago? But I think it was because I had, I had read it in my daily reading and then I was sharing it in my Wednesday night class. But then I had this moment up there like, wait a minute, did I just tell all of them this a couple of weeks ago? I don't think I did. I think it was the Wednesday night class. But either way, people forget half of what I say anyway, so <laughs> at least half. So that, that's still, uh, it's good to be reminded of it yet again. But it, it, it is so powerful, though, to think that Moses, even this friend of God who says, show me your glory, mm. that he gets to see this, just this little glimpse of the backside glory of God. And then I, I tried to make this point of think about what Moses would say to us. Yeah. Right. Think about what Moses would say to us for what we get to do, how we get to connect with Jesus, how he dwells. The very presence of God dwells in our hearts. There is a connectivity and closeness and unveiledness that should. And, and for Moses, I think, would boggle his mind. Yeah. Right. That's no small thing. I mean, he wanted to see all the glory of God. God was like, yeah, you're not ready for that. He yeah. said, you die. And now we get to experience, like you said, that that glory, that goodness living within us. Mm -hmm. You know, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And so we get to, to really, you know, like Moses, experience the goodness of God. Yep. I like it. Um, wrapping it up here. Yeah. Um, anything else? I... No, man. I think I think those were the those were the high points of the message for me, mm -hmm. and the really critical parts that I wanted to be sure we covered. Uh, you know, just really reflecting on how special, how precious it is that we get to be near God in that way. There's yeah. a there's a closeness of relationship there that we should uh, never ever take for granted, and rather than it producing in us. Um, a lack of appreciation, not only should we appreciate it deeply, 
but we should show our appreciation by living in holiness mm. because it is a gift that the holy God has made us holy in Christ that we might be near to him and him to us. Yeah. You know, in so many ways, don't spit in the face of that by remaining in sin. Mm. Yeah. I think all of that's really the critical parts of this message. Yeah. I like it. So what you looking forward to? We have Christmas coming Man, up. Man, Christmas is kind of big of a big deal every yeah, year. A yeah, bit. yeah. <laughs> Don't just worry yeah. about what you're eating for Christmas, right? Yeah, that's right. Remember that's, the I mean, goodness come on. of God. Yeah. You gotta have a reaction, right? We talked about, man, this news about Jesus causes you to do something. I know. And that was that was what I, I almost forgot about that. I thought that was last yeah. week. Um, but yeah, the reel that we did this week was it got there's no person in history. Mm -hmm. where they have encountered Jesus that didn't um, just beam with excitement mm -hmm. or deny who he was. Mm -hmm. Like we have to make that choice. Are we going to accept him as Lord and Savior or, or not? Yeah. And, and that's, that's the excitement of Christmas because we as Christians have accepted him. And now we get to remember his birth, remember the beginning. Well, it's Josh McDowell's old book, you know, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, right? And I think it was C.S. Lewis that said that, uh, you know, basically Jesus and his, you know, the fact that he is Messiah and that he proclaims himself the son of God and Messiah demands you to decide he's either a liar or a lunatic or Lord. Yeah. But he says something along the lines of, but don't dare dismiss him as just a good teacher. Yeah. Um, he he did not mean to he he didn't leave you room to to do that and he meant to not do that right yeah. that you have to decide about who jesus is liar lunatic lord so all of that is true for us but yeah as far as what i'm excited about man christmas looking forward to our christmas eve services and uh it's four o'clock on christmas eve one service we're gonna pack out the place it's gonna mm -hmm. be awesome christmas morning 11 a.m come back and you know you got time in the morning to open the presents and do some things and I think in our house, it'll probably be open some presents, eat a little bit, go to church, come back, finish up whatever we haven't been yeah. opened, eat later in the day, watch the Dolphins game because they play that day. You know, that's priority. Packers, right? Yeah, that that's fun? right. Dolphins, Packers. Yep. So that, that'll be our Christmas. How, how about you? Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward. This will be our first Christmas Eve here. Yeah. And so I'm excited about that. Uh, and then we're packing up and leaving right after. Mm -hmm. uh, make it halfway, hopefully. Entire destination of Louisiana. Packing up and, the old four-wheel sleigh. Man, we might need a sleigh because they're supposed to get some crazy weather there yeah, too. Man, um, craziness. I know. I thought I was going to experience maybe a little warmer weather than oh, what we have man. here, but it's going to be cold there too. But we have to hang out with Heather's parents, and then we'll go and see my parents and, and family there. And so uh, I, I like this time of the year, spending time with family, being able to get back there. I'm pretty excited about that. So. Yep, we'll all recharge our batteries. We'll be back in the new year and yep. uh, can't wait. Can't wait to be back with y'all. Hey, do us a favor. Share this. Share it on the socials. Share it with your friends. Let them know about, you know, the breakdown and uh, get some more people here checking out the breakdown. Yeah. If you made it this far, that means you like us. And hey, yeah. so uh, we would That's like right. to share the good news with everybody. Amen. But uh, we'll see you guys next year. All right. Bye, guys.